0: Welcome to the Facility Dude podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner, and Tony Butler. Welcome to uh, session 13 of our podcast from here at Facility Dude. And uh, today we're going to be uh, uh, talking with Mary Beth Ormiston. Uh, And session 13 had to be something special. And so we're talking about risk management today. And uh, we're just glad to have Mary Beth with us. She uh, works with us here at Facility Dude, and she's an expert in uh, the field of risk management. And Mary Beth, we talked uh, a few weeks ago in one of our podcasts about uh, uh, there's no such thing as an accident, that everything is is uh, predictable and preventable. And uh, I, I, I believe that. We see things every day, and even this morning when... Uh, uh, school was delayed, we have cold temperature here in Raleigh right now, and we all made some kind of judgment about the risk this morning when we drove into work. Are we going to drive our normal speed and take a chance of hitting a, a patch of black ice and spinning out, or are we going to uh, minimize that risk, drive a little bit slower, leave a little bit earlier, get there safely, not have an accident, or uh, Respond to that and tell me uh, about the the uh, role of risk management in the areas of facility managers in, in our everyday life.
1: Bob, you are just so right. But I'm really curious that so we have uh, our podcast number 13. You know, isn't that exciting? Isn't that really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but let's take the talk a little bit about preventive and when we think about risk management. I think of risk management as a program, as a culture. Um, we talk about, and I've heard people say, um well, it's just an accident. And my comment to that is, really? Um, I come from the school of thought where I think that um, risk can be monitored, it's a program, it's learned, it should be taught, it's a culture, it's all of these things put together. And you're absolutely right. Today, we make decisions walking down the hall. Did we see um, something on the, on the floor that's going to make us trip? Were we out on the manufacturing floor and something wasn't quite right? But do we make a decision? Do we, are we conscious about what we see, what we hear? And the next piece of it is if you see it, if you hear it, share it. Don't keep it to yourself. And that goes back to this whole concept and just how you started um, our, our cast this morning was yes. It is preventable, but we have to train folks. We have to make sure that everybody understands what is risk. And in my mind, when we talk about risk management, risk management is a program that involves everybody. That's every employee of every uh, association, every organization, every company. And it's a buy in. It, it's about understanding that coming to work is about keeping um, our facilities safe. And if we keep our facilities safe, we're keeping our employees safe.
0: Mary Beth, I used to work for uh, Cummins Engine Company, and uh, it was a heavy manufacturing plant. Mm-hmm. And Cummins has been known uh, kind of worldwide as an innovator of the team concept, team management, that they brought to uh, the United States many 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 years ago and uh, it was a very interesting working in that environment but you're exactly right about setting the culture and the expectation with your employers and your employees that safety and mitigating risk is not just one person's job you've got to set it up and what what uh, Cummins did so well was it was an expectation that every employee was involved in mitigating risk and a lot of uh, a lot of heavy equipment. Uh, we had hearing protection. We had uh, vision protection. We had foot protection, and it was really taught to us that it's our responsibility to, if we see a uh, an associate of ours, a team member of ours, out on the floor without those things, that it is okay and it is expected of us to say, hey, you forgot your safety glasses, or you're out here without your safety shoes on, or you're in an area that needs your hearing protection, and the culture uh, that says, thank you for telling me that, not what are you, who are you telling me what to do.
1: That's a, you're exactly right. I think the culture, first of all, um, starts at the top. Um, I'm now seeing businesses and organizations that when they hire new folks, they're asking them to sign a code of safety. And this code of safety can be very simple. But what it does is it says that I am part of the team. I have a responsibility not only to myself, but my team associates, and to the company and or organization I work with and for to make sure that our cause, our mission, is that we understand safety. The other piece of this is some people... Uh, maybe new to the work field, maybe some people that have worked in the same environment for a lot of time, have not been taught. So I encourage, you know, everybody has a a type of get-together. Maybe it's formal and maybe it's informal. And I encourage everybody on each of these kind of uh, get-togethers to have a 30-second, a one-minute, whatever seems appropriate, whether uh, to talk about one segment Of safety that maybe we have seen or maybe we need to review because it's like anything else if we're working on a new piece of equipment or if we're dealing with new people we have to have conversation we have to understand that the end result if we don't do this and so it's important to keep that always on the upfront we can't put it on the back burner. One of the things that I talk about, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, is called minding the gap. And we, everybody that comes to work, we all have protocols. We we know what they are. We've been taught them. Um, in some cases, they're you know we they're on our computers. In other cases, I fondly say they're in those white notebook stuff someplace in the in in the cabinet. Those are the protocols. But day to day life sometimes. Um, allows us to deviate from those protocols and then they become a practice. And the further we deviate from a protocol, and that's like being on the floor and we don't have our earplugs in or we don't have our safety shoes on or we've taken off our safety glasses for one reason, that's a deviation from the protocol. And the more we deviate from that, the larger we have in a gap. And we call that minding the gap. And when that happens, we know for a fact, the statistics show this every time, we have more of a frequency of, of accidents, and we've allowed those accidents to happen. It's not that um, accidents just happen. It's that we have not minded our protocols. We've not, we've not done what we've said that we're going to do. And the more frequency we have, unfortunately at some point we're going to deal with severity and that's and we never want to be in any of those two cases.
0: Well don't you think uh, a lot of times uh, uh, things happen uh, particularly around new employees that have never been trained or employees that have been there for a long time that are very familiar with things they've done this a hundred times they think they're exempt from something happening Uh, maybe they've worn their safety glasses 90% 90% of the time, but 10% of the time they said, oh, I don't need them this time, not realizing that 70% of the time that they were wearing their safety glasses, something bounced off of them, and they didn't get in their eye. They didn't even recognize that. And so they get, uh, they get familiar with things. They take it for granted. We had a situation here when we were building out an office space, One of a, a violation that you see over and over and over again, particularly in ladder safety. We had a, an individual here that was working above the ceiling, and we all know that we're not supposed to stand on the next to the top uh, rung of the ladder. He was not only standing on that one, he was on the very top of it. And the, the ladder was not set uh, stable, and uh, he fell and came down to the ceiling, was hurt, had to be taken out in, a, in an ambulance. You could have predicted that that was going to happen. And so why is it that when we become so familiar with stuff that we just kind of think we're exempt to that?
1: I think that's where we have to to operate as a team. That's why we have to come back and always understand um, and have those little key aha moments. Great story for you when you were talking about um, an eye injury. Um, I have a great story of a a young person. Uh, We have lots of pools in our environments that we work with, and during a given day, Um, Anybody that has responsibility for pools knows that you have to go in and and check the pool water. But have we ever thought about the chemicals that we use to check? We had a young man, did not use the protocol of having safety glasses on when you're checking the water. And a drop somehow, because stuff can happen, um, splashed up into his eye. He gets home, he has trouble seeing, one thing leads to another, and now he had to have a cornea transplant. Wow. So 90% of the time, or whatever that percentage is, we know that we wear the safety glasses. It just takes that one time. And now we have an individual who um, did not have his right to glasses on. It was a breach of protocol. Another great example, too, of um, uh, uh, scissor lifts. I, I, I see this many times being out and about in many environments of Somebody not strapped in, or nobody on the bottom, and and uh, a gentleman told me once. He says, "I do this maybe a couple times a week. I'm I'm up there changing, or I get a call and and um, the person I'm working with is someplace else on the floor." And so my question is, okay, so what is the protocol? Is it the right thing to to breach to put not only the company that you work with, but your associates and yourself at risk by not doing what you know it is? And I'm sure you've heard it. I hear it all the time. Well, that's how I've always done it. Um, The world is different now. It's it's very different. And the way we did things isn't the way we have to do them now. So if that's the case, I think we have to incorporate in how do we reteach, how do we rewire folks to understand the importance of risk management and um, being the part of that team, um, lifting up the company, um, so that we, in fact, understand that protocols are there for a reason.
0: You know, I think a lot of times also that we take on a false sense of urgency that something has to be done right away. And I always, I always preach to my uh, employees is that there is nothing, you, you will never get in trouble uh, for making the situation safe before you work on it. I don't care how many people are yelling at you that we've got to have the school open, that we have to have the manufacturing line running again, that the pool needs to be up and running because we've got kids coming for camp today, whether uh, the courthouse has to be open. Uh, you know, no matter what it is, nothing is too important to violate a safety procedure. And uh, how do you how do you address that? And I think a lot of times we, we put that false uh, assumption that, We have to violate everything in order to keep things open keep things going and of course we want to we want to do that of course but not at the risk of safety
1: yeah i mean you're absolutely right it's that internal expectation we put on ourselves that has not been shared whether it's from the top down or the bottom or the middle so that goes back to what i'm talking about is that we have to understand as a team what it takes to get to where where we need to be now we're fortunate of where we are here in Raleigh we don't have a lot of snow but we know when the snow hits that we have to be prepared I I can tell you and you know it too the expectations from schools um, you know any kind of entity that feels that we've got to be open on time we got to do this we got to do everything and in doing that we haven't stepped back to say In doing this, have we done it in a manner that uh, conforms to keeping everybody safe?
0: I think a positive, uh, you talk about we're not used to winter storms here, and I think a positive one uh, to illustrate risk management. Whenever we have a prediction that we're gonna get the storm, everybody thinks they've gotta go to the store and get uh, milk and bread, right? They might (laughs) already have (laughs) enough for a month, but we've gotta go empty the stocks of the, the, the shelves uh of all the stock that they're just so we're prepared and so that's kind of a a risk management right that we don't run out of bread and milk uh during this massive storm that we're going to get a quarter of an inch of snow that's
1: right the the dairy industry loves it because that's when they sell the most milk i understand yeah absolutely (laughs) they
0: would uh, they would put a storm out almost every other day that's right that's right but the concept is right exactly and um I think we just need to help facility managers and those that manage and and also the the expectations from the top. I think you mentioned this earlier uh, of setting the right expectation as owners, as managers, as directors, as as CFOs, CEOs of an organization that minimizing the risk uh, not only because, we're thoughtful of our employees, and we don't want our employees to get hurt. I never want to have to call somebody and tell their spouse that they're not coming home tonight for right. for an accident that happened right. on my watch. And uh, so we have that 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 sympathy and that responsibility for the employee, uh, but also for all of those that work around that employee, uh, our visitors, our guests, our other employees. Uh, and there's certainly a cost impact to the organization. Mm-hmm. Speak for a moment about the cost impact of not uh, mitigate, mitigating risk and so forth.
1: Well, I always say to, you know, that people will say, well, I have to bring in more staff potentially, particularly if we're talking like storms or whatever. I have to bring in uh, more staff to do this. But the end result is if you have somebody hurt and you have somebody that's out on work comp, um, from an insurance standpoint, you are paying them. The other side of it is now you are a person short, theoretically, and or you may have to hire somebody else. So now you have a financial impact. The other thing is when in in today's world, when you deal with insurance, anytime you have a significant um, loss or claim or and that doesn't make any difference, whether it's your general liability from a storm prevention or it's from a work comp, um, your insurance rates are going to go up. And that has, uh, when you think about your insurance rates, which make up a huge part of anybody's operating budget, we we want to keep that as a minimum. Now I think that's a byproduct of what we want to do, because I think first and foremost, when we talk about insurance is there, when absolutely everything else fails. But if we're using it, we want to have it there. But we shouldn't have to use it that often, in my opinion. Right. Because now there's some things that, um, there's storms that we can't, a hurricane comes through and we can be prepared, but God has his own way (laughs) of dictating some of those. But we do know what the protocols are. And we can reduce injuries, we can reduce losses by doing the right thing. And when we don't do that, we get hit in the pocket um, by insurance rates We get hit in the pocket By having to replace people We get hit in the, in the, in the pocket uh, Because of people that um, Have been hurt
0: Well you know uh, you, you talk about the, uh, the financial Aspect of it And I think that uh, certainly Should get the attention uh, Certainly being sensitive To our employees, our guests Our uh, associates that come to Our, our places of employment That uh, there's lots of good reasons to mitigate risk, make the place safe to work, be more productive, uh, reduce the amount of liability expenses. It is very frustrating when an employee gets, uh, particularly in a maintenance organization, when an employee gets hurt and then they're put on light duty you have to try to find something for them to do. That's right. And and like you said, there's missed opportunity of the work that they didn't do, and a lot of times organizations won't backfill, even over for a long period of time. Exactly Six months, right. a year, they won't uh, employ another person because of the costs associated because you're already paying that person to start with. So there's lots of good reasons to, to mitigate mitigate risk, uh, to be really cautious and cognizant of what's going on in your organization around that. I really want to thank you for uh, being a, being here today. And I've got some more subjects that I'd like to talk a little bit more detail about that with you in the future. And so uh, we just want to thank you for being here well, today.
1: Well, you're welcome. I'll look forward to future conversations, Bob.
0: Great. And uh, we want to thank you today for being part of this webcast. And, you know, we would be remiss today if we didn't say that uh, we really want you to step back and just... Take a minute today and just think about uh, some of the things that maybe you or your organization are doing right now that maybe you need to do a little bit differently. Uh, Remind them of ladder safety. Remind them of slips and falls. Some of the things that are on the top list of those things that get people hurt in the workplace. And uh, make your place safe. Have the conversation with your employers and your employees about mitigating risk and understanding it's not just that we're trying to punish. It's not trying that we're trying to uh, be the bad guys by making things safe, but that it's just good practice all the way around for many, many, many reasons. And so thanks for being uh, joining us today. And uh, we want you to know that you can always find us on Stitcher and iTunes. And we really would love to hear from you. You can uh, email us at podcast at And uh, thank you for being with us today, and uh, have a great, safe day. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at FacilityDude. We look forward to hearing from you.